Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Let's look together today at Mark chapter 10, verse 32. It says, And they were on the road with Jesus going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside. He began to tell them what was going to happen to him. And so, saying to them, he said, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will deliver him up to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Then James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, they're kind of in the inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, the, the, the little three musketeers, I call them, of the, of the scripture. Two of the musketeers got together, the two brothers, James and John, and they came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Have you parents, have you ever had kids come up and go, before they tell you what they want, they say, before I ask you this, I want you to say that you will give me whatever I ask you. Anyone here ever had that loaded question as a parent? Some of you know you did it to your own parents, so you, you're just as in trouble. No, um, this is, every time this happens, when, when my kids come up and go, Dad, I want to ask you something, and you have to say yes. I already know this is not going to be good. Listen to what these guys want. They come up to Jesus and they say, we want you to do whatever we, whatever we ask you. And Jesus says to them, well, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, we want you to grant that we might sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And to be baptized with the baptism with which I am to be baptized? And they said to him, we're, we're, we are able. Yeah, yeah, we sure, we can do it. And Jesus said to them, well, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right and on my left, that is not mine to give. But it is for those who, for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, it says... The ten became indignant towards James and John. They're trying to take cuts. They're trying to get in the front of the line. They're, they're trying to act like they get to have first-class seating in heaven. One on the right of Jesus, one on the left. They want the fancy seats, you know. We don't count. They didn't ask for us to go with them. You notice that, that James and John didn't say, Hey, Lord, can we all sit by you? No. They only want the two of them. Now, for those of you who were here when we were back in the Gospel of Matthew, you might recall the same account was recorded for us by Matthew. But Matthew, Matthew threw in one little twist that Mark left out. I want to show it to you real quick if I could. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20. And here's the little twist. Now, think Jewish, okay, because I want you to get the right mindset here. you got the Jewish culture. And I want to show you something Matthew tells us about this story on this day when the Matthew 20, verse 20. This will be easy for you to remember. Matthew 20, 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee. 
mom, mom, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons and bowing down and making a, a, a request of him, he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Now, Mark didn't tell me about mom being there in the story. But Matthew did. You know, just think of a little Jewish mama looking out for her boys. Jesus, could I ask you a favor? Just want to take care of my boys here. Can you do me? He's like, what, do you, what would you like? I want them to sit one on the right and one on the left. She's the one trying to book the seating. Now, Mark didn't tell us that, that mom did it. Mark just tells us they did it. Now, some of you say, well, that's a contradiction in the Bible. I said, no, I bet you both happened. Could have been mom started the whole thing and they stepped up and, you know, after mom kind of broke the ice and got Jesus talking about them. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. But both of the gospel accounts record what happened next. They both say that Jesus said to them, he said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup? That I'm a, what cup was he about to drink? Death, he crucifixion. They were he was going to be killed. For our sake, he would become the lamb that would be slain. So are you guys able to drink that cup? Are you are you gonna be able to be and they say, Oh yeah, we're able. Now you guys know that Peter's one of my favorites for I call him wet socks Peter. He always opens mouth, inserts foot certain times in the stories and but Peter he's in this when it comes to these things I think hmm, he's always chiming in on stuff but he wasn't one of the two guys this is James and John and they're asking pre for preference and how many of the other guys got indignant oh and whether we realize it or not this is one of the spiritual things we ought to take a you know little note from to be careful when we try to be ambitious for ourselves in the gospel others will become indignant they'll be like well what's his problem and who why is he so important but see god has a great sense of humor and he picks these fellows and even these fellows in the story james and john two fishermen Try and take cuts in front of Peter, the other fisherman, and that tax collector, Matthew. And, you know, Matthew, thankful, thank Lord for Matthew. He says, and even the Jewish mother was there. Their mom got in on the act. You know, it's funny how, well, moms, just think a Jewish mother trying to look out for her boys. Come on, Jesus, can you give him a good seat? I want him to have a nice spot with you in, in your kingdom. One on the right. One, what, by the way, in their culture, what would be, what would it signify to sit to the right and left of the king? Yeah, you're the right hand and the left hand man. You're, you are, you are what we call in the seats of authority. There, she's going. Can he? Can my boys have cuts to the front of the line? And could you put them in the best preferred seating, please? Jesus, it's not for me to give. And by the way, you guys, do you really think you can drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Now, those of you that know the story, did James and John, did they get to drink of the cup 
what Jesus was talking about, the cup of death. James, he'll be one of the first martyrs of the church. John will be one of the last. Actually, they will try to kill him by boiling him in oil. It won't work. You guys remember this? This is, by the way, not written in the scripture. This is, you have to read Josephus. He's like a Bible historian of the days of the Lord. And he writes that they tried to boil John in oil. And he wouldn't boil. I mean, the, the oil was boiling. It was hot. They finally banished him to the island of Patmos. Because they're like, we can't kill the dude, so just stick him on an island so we don't have to keep hearing his preaching. Of course, that's where the Lord let him receive the book of Revelation, our last book of the New Testament. Pretty cool that he got to hang around, but he will eventually die. And that, you know, Jesus says, are you willing to drink the cup? I'm about to suffer. Now, he just told them, we're going up to Jerusalem. They're going to seize me. They're going to beat me. They're going to crucify me. And what are these guys thinking about when the Lord's saying, I'm going? Well, can I get good seating? This is that human nature. You know, this is the part they, they didn't really teach me real well in my Catholic upbringing because I thought that, that the apostles were perfect. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord uses ordinary folks in extraordinary ways. So that when he does, everyone else goes, it can't be because of that guy. It must be their God. Remember how the people feared, not the Jews, they feared the God of the Jews. They said, their God is mighty. Their God is strong. Their God has delivered them. It, we know it wasn't the Jews. They're like little tiny people. They're not that great. But wow, their God sure can pull off some Awesome miracles. Parts the Red Sea, marches them through on dry ground, closes it up over the Egyptian army. God did some pretty powerful things to deliver. Now, can God still do those powerful things to deliver us today? Of course. And the Lord is a God that can deliver and do miracle after miracle. And I'm just here to encourage you. These guys, but while he's doing I mean, he's laying his life down for these guys. He's saying, I'm going to go die for you. And what do they do? Excuse me, can I get the cut to the front of the line? Do you see how selfish ambition can get you in trouble? Even these men, the apostles, they struggled in ways. They struggled in ways that we should take note of. If you want to be ambitious for your own plans and, and for your own future, um, maybe you want to be in the really great seating in heaven. I want to be up front. Let me tell you. Be careful. There'll be people that will become indignant toward you. When you have that kind of ambition. See I marvel that they didn't come up to Jesus and say. Hey. Lord can we all be with you. Or you, you notice. James and John are saying. Yeah but don't. What about Peter? Peter's always with us. They didn't say. Can we all sit up front with you? This is the one thing about selfish ambition is it's truly selfish. It's all about that person. But I tell you, it really makes us spiritually blinded. We can be hurting people around us and we don't even know that we are. We can be ticking them off. And we don't even recognize it because we have our own ambition. We want to get this certain thing done. Be careful. Take note from this. They had all of the group indignant toward them.
because they asked for this request. Hmm. Let's go back to Mark chapter 10 and see what Jesus follows this with. Then he called them to himself, it says in verse 42. Mark 10, 42 goes on to say, he says, you guys know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so amongst you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your, your servant, your slave. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He said, guys, you want to be great. We sing that song, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. I thought, wow, I want to be great. Anyone here want to be great in God's kingdom? I mean, I think inwardly we're wired where we do want to be great. It's our approach that we need a little refinement on. Our approach is go up to the master and say, can we cut to the front of the line? And he goes, um, are you able to drink the cup that I got to drink? Because to get to that spot, there's a cup you got to drink. What cup did he have to drink? He's going to suffer. He's going to suffer. And he says here, Jesus, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. But instead he came to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was going to pay the price for all the sins of the world. Now, these guys, as this is soaking in, he says, let's go to Jericho. Now, Jericho... Back in biblical days, Jericho was the city. What you guys remember? The, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Remember that? How much battle did he, we used to sing a song in Sunday school? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. And 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 we would sing the song and didn't really realize that. First of all, the Bible says that Joshua really didn't fight much when it came to the Battle of Jericho. In fact, the men had just crossed. Joshua was the leader. He was just being raised up to lead. You guys are probably familiar with the story. The Lord brought them around wandering in the wilderness for 40 years with Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, you don't get to go in. You've misrepresented me to the people. See, the, the Lord had given him very specific instructions. He the first time they came to this rock, it says, that was following them in the desert, he said, smite that rock and water will come forth. They were saying, we don't have any water. We don't have any water. And the Lord said to Moses, take your staff, smite the rock. So he goes, he smites the rock and water comes flowing out. Enough to feed. Some folks don't realize there was what 603,550 men numbered in the first chapter of the book of Numbers in the Bible. Plus women and children. You've got over a million people to give water to in a desert. Now, coming from the desert, I can recognize, is this a big miracle to have enough water to give a million people water to drink? To take care of the needs of water? This is a big deal. And the first time the Lord spoke to Moses about when the people were crying out, we need water, we're going to perish in this desert. The Lord said, just smite that rock. That rock that is following them. Now, I've never heard of a rock that follows you. But in the book of Hebrews, it tells us the rock that followed them 
was the, was the stone which the builders rejected and became the chief cornerstone. And that rock was Jesus. Now, the second time that they come to cry about water situation, it's a little later in the book, but they come back, man, man, we need water, we need water. And the Lord tells Moses, go and speak to the rock and water will flow. But Moses, it said, this is where he misrepresented the Lord. He went out, you people are always complaining and driving me crazy. and wah, wah, wah. So he took his staff, he smote it. Again, this time twice. He was ticked. But the Lord said to Moses, I didn't tell you to smite the rock again. Now remember, if the rock represents Christ, how many times did Christ have to be smitten? Once. After he was smitten, what do we have to do now? Just speak to him. Just ask. And the Lord took issue, such an issue with most. Some people don't realize. When, when you get the job in wearing the leader's hat, to whom much is given, much is, is required. I don't like that part. I didn't, I, I didn't volunteer for this job, Lord. But he says, I don't care. You still got to wear the hat and you still got to, you got to do what I say. That's why when I'm trying to teach this next generation about the Lord, I'm telling them, listen, when the Lord tells you to do something, you do what he says. The man who had a huge impact on my early Christian walk, Ken Brewer, with this guy, Bill Elander, the two of them, they, they were there the night I gave my life to the Lord. And Ken Brewer told me one day, he was the head pastor of Calvary Chapel, Verde Valley, up in northern Arizona. And he told me one day, he says, if, if ever I, now I didn't know what was going on in his life. He just said to me, he says, I know God has a calling for your life. And I want you to listen to this one thing. It's very important. So I'm like all ears. Sure. Yeah, what? And he says, if God's spirit tells you to do something. And I maybe I tell you do something, but it's not the same thing. You know, like I'm telling you go do this or, you know. and and But you know God told you to do whatever this thing. Who should you listen to? And I'm thinking, well, you're the pastor. Is this a trick question? Because I'm new at this whole thing. I'm. Like trying to figure it and I really was totally new and I'm like I don't uh and he, I he goes tell me what you think in your spirit is the right answer now I'm like uh oh this is like a spirit question I'm in real trouble um well if we're going spirit I have to do what the spirit says right and he said never forget that never we got to keep our eyes on him we can't let him doesn't matter there's so many things that pull us away from staying our eyes on him. Remember the storm, what Peter was in? And, and he's walking on water. And while his eyes were on Jesus, now that's impossible, right, to walk on water? Except when your focus is in the right place. When his focus was on the Lord, he was able to do what is impossible. The, the impossible is possible when, you're, when your eyes are on the right thing. But see, this is the problem. When you get around men with selfish ambitions and trying to cut to the front of the line, the people's eyes get sucked off of the goal and start looking where? At the other men. And they can pretty much pick out the flaws right away. That guy, he doesn't deserve to sit on the right, and neither does he. Not him on the left. I know him. I fished with him for a while, you know, and he's no way, man. And indignant Oh, it comes natural. And it all because we got our focus 
off of who we're supposed to keep it on. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. There's an old hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now these guys, they where's their focus? Them, themselves. Well, Jesus takes them toward Jericho now. Now Jericho, I began to tell you, that was where Joshua led them in. But as soon as they crossed under Joshua's leadership, Moses was, was not permitted to enter the promised land. Lord took him out of the running. And Joshua led them in, and as soon as they crossed over, now he did a kind of cool miracle, same as parting the Red Sea, but it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Jordan River. And he remember he sent the priests in carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And what happened to the waters in the Jordan? It says it heaps up on the one side and dries up on the other. In other words, the Lord just... Poof. Oh, and by the way, each one of the, the leaders of the 12 tribes, I want each one of you guys to pick up a stone from by where the priests are standing, one of those river rocks, put it on your shoulder, and we're going to carry it, and we're going we're gonna to put them in a little memorial, a little pile, and it will be a memorial for not just your children, or your children's children, or your children's children's children, that when, when your great-grandchildren say, why is there a pile of river rocks out in the middle of the desert, Nai, you know, just outside of Jericho? What, where, I mean, we're like miles from the river. What are they doing here? It, why did he want them to do that? So they could remember and say, that was when the Lord made the water to heap up. So we came through. We need to be reminded that God can do these miraculous things so that we keep the perspective. Sometimes we get all wigged out. Oh, no, this is really big. I think I'm going to go down. There's no way. And I'm like, no way with you. But wait a minute. Are we talking about you with the God that I serve? Because if you're with the God I serve, I think we should tell the other guys good luck. Or I feel sorry for you. Because we have the Lord. With him, how many things were possible? Oh. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.